at it. Anyway, our key text has been um, Proverbs 10.25. And it says, when the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. We've been speaking for the last three weeks on a strong foundation. Week one, Jay challenged us to build a foundation that's on the rock, not on the sand. Week two, we were challenged to take it from our hand to our heart, getting the Bible off our shelf, off the nightstand, and apply it to our lives. And last week, we were challenged in prayer to make it, making a commitment that leads to a connection with God. And today, we're going to continue talking about prayer because prayer changes everything. We're going to talk about the wonderful results that we can have from prayer and how prayer makes us strong. It makes for strong relationships, strong character, strong commitments, strong convictions, strong purpose, and a strong foundation. You pray with me real quick. God, I thank you for your, your word. I thank you for your character. I thank you for your faithfulness and your desire to, to take us and make us into the men and women of God that you called us to be. So God, I ask that today you'd open up our hearts to hear what you want us to hear about prayer. And that God, not only would we hear it, but we would become doers. And prayer would become a more effective part of our, of our spiritual journey. Or maybe for some of us, the very first time we've in, even embraced the thought that we could pray to such a great God. May you be glorified in everything that is done and said here today. And may our hearts be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put the key text back up, up there again. Our goal, my goal, my purpose and my prayer for today is that every one of you would leave with a desire to have prayer a more powerful part of your spiritual journey. I asked one guy afterwards because his wife said, he'll be honest, ask him. He said it was good. I said, were you inspired to pray? And he said, I already pray. I said, okay. Were you inspired to pray more? And he said, mm. I said, you need to come back in. So if you already pray, I hope and pray that you're inspired to pray more. Go deeper. Embrace all that God has for you in your spiritual journey. Prayer is throughout the Bible, and I did not realize this. There's 650 prayers in the Bible. 650. I thought about like putting them all up on the screen or giving us a handout with them, but that was just a little too cumbersome. And they put the kibosh on it in the office, like waste paper for 650 prayers because we can all read it ourselves because we are now reading the Bible, right? Right. From our two weeks challenge of reading the Bible, we have taken it off of the shelf, out of our hands and into our lives. We're applying it. So we're reading our Bibles. One of the, uh, the prayer, prayer should actually be an exciting and exhilarating aspect of our spiritual journey. If your prayer life is not an exciting part of your spiritual journey, I would venture to say you're missing out on it. You haven't got all the way there with what prayer could be and what God wants it to be. My first experience, or one of my first ones with um, simple prayer, was uh, in 1986. We moved to Springfield, Missouri for Bible college, and we went down there not knowing anybody, not having a place to live, true story, and having very little money. Who does that? Who does that? Well, we did. 
because our lives were radically changed for God. We were all in, whatever you want. So we moved to Springfield, Missouri, me, Troy, and our little girl, Tessa, who was a year and a half. And we were out on, um, went out one Sunday afternoon to just explore the area. And we were running through this field. It was right along the creek. So we were playing in the creek. Troy had Tessa on his shoulders, and we were running through all the field. It was just fun. It was a fun few hours on a Sunday afternoon. Well, it started to get dark, so we thought, you know what? We probably should start heading back to town. So we went to get in the car, and problem arose. We didn't have the keys. We didn't have the keys. So it was like, you got to be kidding me. So we started looking for the keys. We looked long, and we looked hard for the keys. Couldn't find them anywhere. Realizing, you know, this was before cell phones. We couldn't call anybody. Didn't have no cell phones. I was six and a half months pregnant, and we were seven miles from town. That is a problem. So, lo and behold, the smart kids that we were, we decided to pray. How many of you do that? Life gets really hard, and it gets a bad situation. You try to figure it out, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, let's pray. So we prayed. We asked God to help us find the keys. Lo and behold, we walked back to the car, and the keys were right there on the ground outside the driver's door. Now, whether or not they were there the whole time and we didn't see it, and God gave us wisdom to go back and find them, or God just supernaturally planted them there, I don't care. He answered our prayer. We found the keys. So that was one of the first experiences with prayer. It was just a simple prayer. So what is prayer? We did a prayer and fasting in January or in August of last year for seven days. We're in the middle of our 21 days of prayer and fasting now. We did seven days in August. And Troy had four points that he had brought to our attention one of the first days of, of prayer. And I thought they were worth repeating. The first one was prayer is the pathway. This is your first fill in the blank. To a relationship. Prayer is the pathway to a relationship. If you hear nothing else I say today, know that prayer is a pathway to the relationship that your heart longs to have with your maker and that he has designed you for. Did you know you were designed to have a relationship with God? That's what you and I were designed for, is to have a relationship with God. And prayer is the pathway for that. Prayers is communication. That's what prayer is. It's communication. So I want you to think with me of the the most strongest relationship you have right now in your life? Is it your husband, your wife? Is it a really good friend? Is it your, maybe your mom, your dad, your son, your daughter? Who is the strongest relationship you have? I would venture to say that the common thread, all of us in our relationships, would be communication, right? So if we really long to have a relationship with God, communication, a.k.a. prayer, has to be a part of it because prayer is the pathway to the relationship. The second, the second point on what is prayer is prayer is the pathway to the purpose. Guidance in making a decision, direction in what am I to do, who am I, that's, that's found in prayer. Prayer is a pathway to finding your purpose. If you're struggling with what am I here for, pray, ask God. He's not hiding it from you. It's not a secret. He wants to show you more than you even want to know. He does. The third point is prayer is a pathway to obedient dependence. Obeying how God directs and being dependent upon him. I experienced, um, it's another, another, I mean, you see so many different facets of prayer, but this was, this was one that uh, really changed kind of my idea on what it meant to be obedience and having prayer to be a priority, is we lived in Chicago for a summer. When, when you're in Bible school, you go away for what's called an internship. 
the year before you graduate. At least you did at CBC at that time. I don't know if they do that anymore. But we went to Chicago. We chose to go back to Chicago because we had been there a couple other times. So we went back to Chicago. And by this time, we had three kids. See what Bible college does to you? We had three. We ended up with five. So imagine that. But we had three kids at this time. And we drove to Chicago, and we had an almost five-year-old, an almost three-year-old, and an and a almost one-year-old. And we lived with a family called the Penton, the Pentons. And it was right outside of... Um, Chicago, and we lived in a little room that was 10 by 10. I'm not kidding you. 10 by 10. It had a twin-sized trundle bed that, you know, trundles where it pulls out on the bottom. So me and Troy slept on the top part, and the girls, Tessa and Tanisha, slept on the bottom, and then we had a crib where Tyler slept. And we were in this 10 by 10 room, and it gets even better. It was right off the kitchen. It was great. No room to even walk in your room. You couldn't step outside to unload your suitcase because that was the kitchen. But this couple that we stayed with, they were, they were phenomenal. So one morning, um, Shar and I, that was the wife's name, Shar and I were, were in the kitchen, we were just talking, and at this point in my life, I was like a clean freak. Like I mopped my floors every morning. Don't worry, I don't do that anymore. God has delivered me from that, right? Right? But I, I, that's what I grew up with. That's how, and, and you didn't use a mop. You were on your hands and knees on the floor, and I did every morning. Thank the Lord I've recovered from that. But at that time, that's where I was at. So we're eating breakfast, and one of the girls, I don't remember which one, spilt grape juice on the floor. If you're like a clean freak, grape juice on the floor is like horrible. It stains, it's sticky, and this was somebody else's house. So this grape juice spills, and I'm like in a frenzy, like mopping it up, and she's down there just all calm. It's okay, dear. Like, dude, freak out with me. What are you doing? Why are you so calm? So we're cleaning up this grape juice, and all of a sudden, in the middle of it, she says, I'll be right back. I'm like, okay. Thinking she's going to go get some Clorox or something to, like, get out any stain that's going to be left. And I keep cleaning, and I finish everything up. We finish breakfast. And I'm like, okay, where did she go? She'll be right back. So the Snoopy person that I am tiptoed into the living room, and her bedroom was off the living room, and I see the light in there, so I, I peek in. What else would you do, right? Wouldn't you have done the same thing? And she's on her knees in prayer. And I'm like, like, was she offended that I spilled the juice, that she went to pray? What is going on? I, I soon found out, she, when we're cleaning, she heard the voice say something. I don't know what it was, but called her to go pray. And she left what she was doing and went and prayed. I was like, wow, that's what I want to be. I want to be a person that hears the voice of God, drops all the other stuff, and I go away to pray. To be honest with you, I hear the voice of God, and I say, oh, okay, gotcha, God. Let me finish this little thing here first. Anybody else with me? I'll get to you. No, remember we meet at 7 in the mornings? I'm not really supposed to be praying right now. Seven's our time. Did anybody else do that, or is it just me? Like, you kind of put God in these categories. Okay, I learned a lot from Shar, and I, I'm still trying to apply what, what she taught me, but she had an obedient dependence upon God. This is the other piece that I want to just mention real quick on the obedient dependence. It says if we attempt to do anything in the name of God, without dependence upon God, we are elevating ourselves to God. Let me say that again. If we attempt to do anything in the name of God without dependence upon God, we are elevating ourselves to God. That's something to remember for those of us that maybe lead a life group, work in an area of ministry, try to share the love of Jesus with somebody else. Be really careful that you're not doing it in your own strength. Get alone with God. He'll speak to you. He'll empower you to do what you're called to do. 
The last point here is, is prayer is a pathway to freedom. And this one I'm really excited about because I've just, just praying for prayer today. I believe there's some of you in here today that long for freedom. You long for some freedom from an addiction. You long for some freedom from a habit, from some sorrow, from bondage, if I could use that word. You long for freedom. And I know God wants to deliver you. I know he wants to set you free because that's who he is. That is the God that we serve. He wants to set us free. And the link between his promises and his power is in prayer. The link between his blessings and our need is in prayer. Let's go to our key text. It's out of James 5. I'm going to read the whole thing, and there's some stuff in here that some of you might go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, we're going to try to walk through it, bring some clarification if there's any, anything that, that maybe we could clarify. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. True story. Then he prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its, crop, its crops. So it begs to, to question then, how should I pray? I should pray when? When should I pray? And these, these points that James gives us, it's not just only pray at these times. That's not, that's not what we're saying. But I just want to talk about three points here that James gives us on times that we should pray. The first one being is we should pray when life is too much. When life is too much, we should pray. Do you ever feel like Charlie Brown? Sometimes I lie awake at night and I ask, where have I gone wrong? Then a voice says to me, this is going to take more than one night. Charlie Brown. Do you ever feel like that way? That there's so many things going wrong, you don't even know where to start? We're encouraged from James is to pray when we're suffering hardships or circumstances. What do you do? What do you do when life gets hard? I know what I do when life gets hard, when it gets challenging. I go right to managing the outcomes. Let me see if I can move this pawn here. Let me adjust this. Let me change this. Let's get us into this group. Let's do this. Let's do that. I try to manage all the outcomes. I should pray first. Prayer should be my first stop. Not my second, not my third, but my first. Let me ask you another question. Another question. Are you facing hardships because you don't pray? Sometimes we do a lot of movement in our life, a lot of choices in our life without asking God first. And then we question, why am I in this hardship? Go back to praying first before you're choosing to move. I want to mention real quick is part of this, when life gets too hard, sometimes the tendency is to blame other people, to blame situations, to blame them, to blame them to blame her, to him. We need to stop blaming others. 
and we need to start believing God. Blaming won't change anything, but believing God can change everything. So stop blaming and start believing. And sometimes it's not necessarily that you're praying for for deliverance from it, but maybe you're praying for strength to endure it. Strength to endure it. Maybe you're here today and you're, you're like, Jennifer, you have no idea the situation I'm in. Maybe you need to pray that God will give you strength to endure what you're in because he is our rescuer. Second, second point is when I have a sense, when do I pray? It was when I have a sense of well-being. Did you know that, that praise is a form of prayer? Praising God is a form of prayer, and it's easy to forget this. I see many, many, many times that we will come together and we will pray for somebody. We will pray for a miracle. We'll pray for a job. We'll pray for a healing. We'll pray for a marriage. We'll pray for all kinds of things, and God does it. God answers prayer just like we prayed, and then the person's gone, and it's like, where did you go? Why'd you walk away from God? Because sometimes when God is so good to us, we forget where the goodness came from. Don't forget, when God blesses you and God answers your prayer, respond with praise. And sometimes when you're in a hard situation, to choose to praise brings a victory in your own heart like you'd never have if you wouldn't step out and praise. Praise makes a difference. It, it, when, we, when we worship God, we capture God's heart. When we worship God, In our worship, it captures God's heart. And when he captures our heart, when we capture his, he captures our heart. It goes God's heart so that we can capture our hearts. We we capture God's heart so that he can capture our hearts. If you feel like you got a hardened heart, step out and worship. Step out and worship. You capture God's heart and he'll capture yours. So today when we worship, I encourage you. Capture God's heart by worshiping him. Danny says sometimes raise your arms, and it's not like you're just trying to be a show-off or anything like that. She knows it's because it's a sign of a surrender. It's a sign, God, here am I. Here am I. Capture God's heart, and he'll capture yours. The third, the third time that we should pray is when my physical body is suffering. I should pray when my physical body is suffering. And James is referring to physical body here. I'm going to uh, take it a bit further and and. There's all throughout the word of God where God wants to heal us emotionally as well and mentally as well as, as, as physical. God wants us to be, to be healthy and whole in body, mind, and spirit. That's God's plan. Let me just say here on this, on this verse, it says that such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. I'm going to read what I have written down because I really feel like there's a couple of you here that need to hear this. And it says, this faith, why certainly includes a notion of confidence in God's ability to answer, also involves absolute confidence in the perfection of God's will. True prayer of faith always includes with it an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty in all matters. God's will be done. God's sovereignty means that he is in absolute control. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants because he's, he's God and he knows the big picture. This can be a real roadblock. And, and this is the part that I feel like there's, there's a, some of you here today. The thought that God doesn't answer prayer, what we pray, has created some frustration, some confusion, and even some distance. 
and it has challenged your trust in God. Perhaps you no longer pray because of it. Some of us have faced some great disappointments when we prayed, and our prayer was not answered. Comma, there's a comma, how we thought it should be. Our prayer was not answered, comma, and how we thought it should be. The little Tessa, the year and a half old, when she was 16, she was in a tragic accident that took her life. That's not the outcome that we had prayed for. God didn't answer, comma, how we had asked. He's sovereign. He's in complete control, and because of that complete control, we have to choose to trust regardless, period. Though you're here and God didn't answer a prayer that you had, how you prayed doesn't mean that he loves you any less, doesn't mean that he has any less of a plan for you, and doesn't mean that he isn't in control. It means all the more you have to trust him in spite of how he responded, in spite of how he answered. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God is saying to someone today, trust me. And your response is, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. You cannot trust who you do not know, and you cannot know until you trust. And prayer is a pathway to trust. If you're struggling with trusting God, I strongly encourage you to pray. Pray. Because you don't know who God is. If God behaves like we think he should and what we tell him to do, we're no, he's no better than us. He's just a human like we are. But that's not the God we serve. We serve a God that knows everything and can be trusted. And prayer is the pathway to that trust. So how do you invite God into your situation and your circumstance? Where do you go? How do you, how do you get there? I'm going to go back to, to James and read the second part there. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That first part there, I just want to pause right there. I want to say just three quick things. First of all is confess your faults to each other. Confess your sins. Sin grows in the dark. Sin grows in the dark. If you're struggling with something and nobody else knows you're struggling with it, it's going to grow. That's just a matter of fact. Sin grows in the dark. That's why we need each other. Second thing, it's an obvious plug for life groups. Get involved in a life group. It's a small group of people that you can confide in, that you can do life with so that those things don't overtake you. So that that little thing that you're struggling with, the sin, doesn't grow in the dark. It's exposed and it can't grow. The third thing is during our response time, and Daniel will lead us during one of the songs, is your opportunity. We're going to have people on the sides for you to respond, to go to and say, I'm struggling with this. Or maybe you don't even get specific. Maybe you just say, I need help. I need prayer. Or I need to pray for this person or this situation. You're going to have an opportunity, and I encourage you to respond to that opportunity today. So the, the, next, the next part of that verse 
says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Don't you want wonderful results to your life, to your prayer? A couple ways that we, that we need to make part of our prayer life. The first one being, do you guys hear the click? Is that, it's clicking again, isn't it? What is this? What's happening? It's a hair. See, they, they put it on the boys, and the boys don't have hair. See, do you hear that? Or else it's my fat cheeks. Okay. Anyway, let's go back to this. Um, first thing is to be instant and earnest. To be instant in prayer and to be earnest in prayer. Um, you know, I had a challenge for you and I forgot to give it to you. So I'm going to stop now and I'm going to give it to you because I know there's some of you in here that really like a challenge. It's like a competition. I'm one of them, right? I mean, that's why Ticey and I are recruiters. We like a little competition. Let me see if I can win that person. Anyway, um, the first challenge was going back to praise, praise being, being actually a prayer. The challenge there is Troy and I went through a blah time where everything was blah, 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 blah. This was last, last October. So we decided, you know what? We're going we're gonna to praise. We're going to praise God every day for 30 days. We're going to praise him every day for 30 days. And most likely it's not going to change our circumstance. But who's it going to change? So the first day is like, hmm, yep, I have nothing to praise God about. Yeah, nothing. Day two, it's like, yeah, I really don't know. We do this every night when we lay down to go to bed. Finally, God started to go, really? Like, look beyond yourself. Look at everything you have. Look at all the blessings that you've been given. And we started to, to praise God every day for one thing for 30 days. And guess what? My heart was changed. So that's challenge number one. I challenge you, if your heart is like, nothing is good in this life, nothing is, nothing is going right for me, start, start praising. Praise God for 30 days. Second challenge, now come back with me here to the earnest prayer of a righteous one. Instant and, and earnest. So let me ask you, what is your, your first reaction when things happen? Do you, do you go to prayer right away? Or do you start to worry? Do we have any worry warts in here? Can we say warts? Worry warts? We've got a lot of us. Okay, this is the challenge. When you start to worry, what if, how about, oh no, look at this, then what? Make it a prayer. So instead of going, oh no, I might get laid off. You say, God, I pray I don't get laid off. And if I do, make sure that I get a retention bonus or a, some kind of a, you know, something when they're going to fire me. You know what I mean? So start every time you want to worry about something, make it a prayer in place of the worry. That's, that's challenge, only two challenges. So in place of, of being a worry wart, you're going to be a, a prayer warrior. Change that up. Be intent in directing your prayer. And when God speaks, do it. Going back to Shar, this was the second thing. I, I learned a lot in those three months we were in Chicago. The second thing I learned about prayer is during that summer, my dad got diagnosed with colon cancer. So I loaded up those three little babies, and I drove from Chicago to Holdridge, Nebraska, because that's where my parents live. Troy couldn't come, so I was by myself. Spent some time back here, and then I drove back to Chicago. And driving back, it was a torrential downpour. Like rain, 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 rain. Like I had to pull over a few times because I couldn't even see to drive. So driving back, and I hadn't driven in a city a lot. Like, Chicago's kind of a city. I grew up in Holdridge, 5,000, went to Lincoln, and Lincoln's really just an overgrown, oversized grown town, right? So is Springfield, Missouri. But Chicago? All right. Now, you got some on-ramp, off-ramps, that kind of stuff. And I blame it on speed. I don't know what happened, but however it happened, 
I was getting off the expressway and did a complete 360. Complete. My little baby's in the back seat, and I stopped going the right way. All these cars just kept driving by me. I'm like, hello, did nobody see what happened? And I'm shaking, and I'm just a nervous wreck. So I'm like, okay, Whew. calm down, and I drove back. Pulled into Shar's house, walk up to the door, and she meets me at the front door, and she says, oh, praise the Lord, you're okay. You had a near-death accident on that interstate, and I'm so thankful. I'm like, how'd she know that? Was she behind me watching this and didn't even stop? No. God had spoke to her to pray for me. She had no idea where I was at. She only knew to pray. I want to be that kind of person that hears God and prays. I don't have to see things. I just have to hear God and pray. So she taught me what it meant to be instant and earnest in prayer. She heard him and she went to prayer for me. And I'm thankful for that. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. The second verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, is one of my favorites. And it says, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. You know you can pray all day long. Did you guys know that? You don't have to pray just your devotion time or over your meals or bedtime. You can pray without ceasing. Now, you may want to do it up here because your colleagues might go like, what is her lips doing this whole time, like, moving? But you can pray without ceasing. And it does amazing things because it changes your attitude. It changes your conversation. It just keeps you in line with what and who God is, what he's doing and who he is. So you can pray without ceasing. The next part of inviting God into our situation is to be passionate. Zealous or fervent. And this definition of passion in prayer is that is that we're being devoted, we're being faithful and diligent, and a commitment and priority. Prayers become a commitment and it's a priority for us. Because you're a person of passion doesn't mean that you have to like, rah, you know those passionate people, right? And that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't for a minute think that somebody that doesn't have the outward expression of passion isn't passionate. Because passion is commitment. Passion is being diligent. Passion is making it a priority. So what are you passionate about? I encourage you to be passionate about prayer because it'll change your life. It will change your life. You may say, I don't have time to pray. And the truth is, we don't have time not to pray. We don't have time not to pray. Acts 2.42 says, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals and to prayer. Sharing in prayer. The next way that we can invite God into our situation is to be persistent. Be persistent. Sometimes we pray one time for something, and we say, didn't work. Didn't work. Not going to pray anymore. Some of you have prayed that one time, and now you're done. You're not going to pray again. I encourage you to be persistent. Be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in your, in your prayer for your marriage. Be persistent. Be persistent in your prayer for your wayward child. Be persistent. Be persistent in prayer for your job, for your future, for your family, for the dreams and hopes that God's put in your heart. Be persistent in praying for them. 
Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for you. I will tell you, I am here as a result of an earnest, passionate, persistent, praying sister and mother-in-law. I am a result of that. And many of you in here could say the same thing. You're a result because somebody prayed for you. Who does God want you to be praying for? Who does God want you to be persistent, to be diligent, to be earnest in praying for? Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. The last point here is to ask according to your will and your word. When you pray, ask according to God's will and to his word. 1 John 5.14 says, This is a confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anything according to his will, he hears us. God hears us when we pray. The scripture verse referenced a man named Elijah. And Elijah, you don't hear about him anywhere in, in the Bible until 1 Kings 17, 17 and 18. Elijah was a prophet, but he was also a person just like us. He was human, just like us. He struggled with fear. He struggled with depression, but he knew how to pray. And he, all those things that we just went through, that's how he prayed. He prayed with passion. He prayed with earnest. He knew how to press into God, and that's what God wants us to do. The Bible says when, when Elijah... Elijah was human as we are. See the word right there? And yet, when he prayed, that indicates the idea that he was ordinary, just like us. Yet, he knew an extraordinary God that changes things when he prayed about him. In closing, we're going to look at at, uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14. says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land and restore their marriage and restore their hope and restore their purpose. If my people will humble themselves. Could you imagine what what an impact we'd make in this community? If we would all leave here today and say, I'm committed to prayer. I'm going to take my current prayer life a step farther. Could you imagine what world changers we would be? Not because of us, but because we're giving it to God in prayer. That would be awesome. That's what God has for Southridge. That's what God has for us as his people right here in this room to change the world around us. We're going to pray, and I'm just going to ask for for two responses. I'm going to ask first those that maybe don't know that trust that I talked about. Maybe your trust has been shattered because you've experienced an answer to prayer, an unanswered to prayer, comma, that wasn't what you asked. Maybe you're struggling with that, and your trust is just waning because it's not there. I'm going to ask you to respond. The second group I'm going to ask to respond to is anybody that wants to take their prayer life farther. 
wants it to be more a part of their spiritual journey. You want your prayer life to be the most exciting and exhilarating aspect of your spiritual journey. It should be. It should be. So bow your heads with me as we pray.